Welcome to The Winsome Creationist, where we explore God's world using a model-building approach, interact with a gracious tone, and take a firm stand on the literal truth of creation found in God's Word. Join host Steve Schramm and occasional guest as they explore the mysteries and majesties from creation to the flood, Babel to the cross, and everywhere in between. And now, here's your host. Well, hey there, guys, and welcome into another episode of The Winsome Creationist. In this episode, I want to talk to you about an article that was written on July 18th, 2022. It was by uh, Todd Wood, and the timing of the article, I think, is uh, somewhat ironic because I highly doubt that when he wrote this article, um, he would have imagined becoming the target of a very um, similar kind of article, except written by the individual, or at least endorsed by the individual, about whom the original uh, article was about. Okay, now if that sounds confusing to you, don't worry, I just confused myself too, and so I'll talk through this. So uh, Todd Wood on his article, um, on his blog rather, that's at toddcwood.blogspot.com. He wrote an article called Give Me a Break Dash Ken Ham's Hyper Evolution. Okay. And this was written again a little less than a year ago on July 18th, 2022. And um, what he did was he was responding to um, this, this thought that has been insinuated, uh, you know, increasingly often, uh, uh, Joel Duff, who is a great guy, by the way, um, we just disagree with him a lot, um, you know, is one who is probably the, the one who I heard this term from first, but um, there's this idea that um, creationists are actually hyper-evolutionists, okay, uh, because of some of what they believe about, for example, rapid speciation um, when coming off of the ark. And so uh, Todd Wood wrote an article uh, defending Ken Ham, sort of uh, rebuffing this idea. And I just thought it would kind of be interesting to go through, especially given the fact that uh, very transparently Answers in Genesis has recently been sort of openly, um, I think attacking is a fair word um, to say, um, a, a huge sect of, if you will, of creationism uh, that Todd would, would be included in um, and calling them hyper-evolutionists, okay? So, um, and specifically using um, the term with them, young earth evolutionists, okay? So I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at how Todd Wood sort of defended against the idea, actually in defense of Ken Ham and in defense of the Creation Museum and all and the Ark Encounter and all of this, um, how Todd Wood actually articulated that defense um, it, when, when the tables were turned against uh, Ken Ham, who, once again, their organization has decided to turn the tables and use this language against them. So I thought we'd see how Todd Wood actually defended this assertion uh, when it was made to Ken and them. Um, and uh, that might be kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, go check out the article if you want to. I just want to talk through just, uh, you know, a couple of these things um, and uh, and see where we go. So he starts out with this uh, idea that, and I'm going to be looking, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm sorry, I'm going to be looking at my screen a little bit here. Um, and actually, no, I don't really have a great way to screen share this. I'm so sorry, or, or else I would. I could use StreamYard, but the quality is just not as good, um, even though I pay for, like, really good quality, so... Not real sure what's up with that. Um, anyway, I just want to have the best quality for you here possible. So I might be looking over at my screen, um, and I do apologize for that. So he starts out by making the point that uh, creationist history um, and creationist thought is – it's just – it's not really catching on. Um, a lot of people seem to have different opinions of this, and he wrote a whole article about that called Created Kinds Are Not New. Um, 
which again, you can go check out on his blog if you're interested in that. But, um, you know, there is this really, as he puts it, a gut level appeal to saying that Ken Ham is more evolutionist than the evolutionists, right? Like we, uh, people resonate with that. If you can point to Ken Ham and you can be like, ah, Ken Ham is more of an evolutionist than the evolutionists are. Um, then that sounds really good to people. But it's just not true, and it's just not fair to say that about Ken Ham uh, or about Todd Wood, okay? So I'm, I'm in defense of the whole creationist enterprise here. Um, as Todd Wood says, that this is a ludus, ludicrous example of a false equivalency. And he gives us five different definitions for how the word evolution can be used. Now, I've heard different people talk about this, but I think um, talking through these five definitions that Todd gives us uh, would be kind of a useful exercise. So he says evolution can refer to um, true microevolutionary fluctuations within a population, such as the changes in the beak shape observed by Peter and Rosemary Grant in the Galapagos Islands, okay? So true, like, fluctuations that are recorded in, uh, within certain populations, again, like the beat um, shape and size changes, okay, in the Galapagos, which, uh, you you know, we call them uh, Darwin's finches, and we're talking about those finches there, okay? Number two, evolution can refer to the emergence of new species or the idea that very similar species are related to a common ancestor. This can be illustrated by the putative relationships of the species of Galapagos mockingbirds, which are all very similar to one another, yet still placed in different species. The reason we find them together in Galapagos is because there was once only one Galapagos mockingbird species that spread through the different islands. Number three, evolution can refer to a more general sense to the development of life on this planet as purportedly depicted in the fossil record. Number four, evolution can refer to a very specific claim that all life on this planet is related to a common ancestral population, i.e. universal common ancestry. And then number five, evolution can refer to particular examples of evolution, like horse evolution, whale evolution, the transition from dinosaurs to birds, or the transition of ape-like animals to human beings. And um, he, he points out very um, correctly that there's an attitude today that sort of says that uh, all of these different senses of evolution follow logically and also inevitably from the very first sense. So in other words, if you have this idea that evolution can refer to true micro fluctuations like sizes in beak, you know, shape and things like that, if you can take that and you can extrapolate that back that all these other examples of evolution that were mentioned actually follow logically from the first one. And he makes the point correctly that that, that can't be more obviously wrong like it's just not true that fluctuations within a population even if they can demonstrate clearly natural selection like that cannot alone be used to extrapolate back and explain the origin of species and of course we know that's what um darwin um got wrong okay so regardless of you know the way that you approach this and and even if you think that all the evolution you know all, all the evidence that's out there actually supports uh, evolution or, or whatever, it's at least possible that microevolutionary fluctuations due to natural selection have little to do with the emergence of new species. And by the way, um, Dr. Mike Behe's book, Darwin Devolves, talks about this a lot. He says this, maybe speciation has more to do with particular types of variations that emerge along the lines of Goldsmith's macro mutation model, and natural selection plays only a trivial role. 
that's really one of the main questions in the creation-evolution debate. To what extent does the undeniable evidence of microevolutionary change or the compelling evidence of speciation relate to other sorts of evidence like the fossil record or comparative genomics? Okay, so when you look at these different senses of evolution that we have to immediately equate that, man, one of those follows from the other, that they all follow from the other without the additional factors of evidence that need to be mixed in there um, is just wrong. It's, it's actually quite wrong. So when we think about those ideas, those different ways that evolutionary can, um, you know, ideas can be used. When you're looking at somebody who takes the Bible to be the word of God, and they're a young age creationist, okay, then there are lots of biblical and theological considerations, Todd points out, that we would would, would bring to bear on the sense of evolution three to five that we talked about, which again, um, uh, number three being the idea of development of life on earth more generally, number four being the specific claim of universal common ancestry, and number five being specific examples of um, evolution that can be pointed to, like horse or whale evolution, okay? So, um, when we're looking biblically, like that is going to have something to say about these senses of evolution. We're going to take a lot of, of a different approach to this than a strict evolutionist would. Okay. He says this issue, such as a biblically derived sense of the antiquity of the earth and the relationship of animal death to creation, definitely have relevance to these questions in the creationist mindset. And so, for that reason, we just can't possibly have uh, this idea that creationists are somehow evolutionists. And by the way, uh, the point I want to make is that's true whether we're talking about Todd Wood defending Ken Ham or Ken Ham not defending Todd Wood and actually throwing Todd Wood under the bus. These same things are uh, true. Uh, today, okay, and so um, I, got, I had a, a commenter. I feel like I should address this. I had a commenter um, who uh, it was G Man, I think, and he, and he said, "You know, I really love what you're talking about. I love what you're doing. I think it makes a lot of sense, but I really wish you wouldn't be so hard on Ken Ham." Um, and I uh, much appreciated his point, and I hope he doesn't mind the call out here. I, I really just wanted to address that really quickly. Um, I actually really like Ken Ham. I think Ken Ham. He's a great guy. I admire his uh, marketing ability. I admire his um, ability to build a business, to build a nonprofit. I think um, they uh, are committed to a level of ex excellence at Answers in Genesis that is uh, commendable and desirable in the creationist community. Um, and I uh, firmly stand with him on the authority of the Word of God. I love Ken Ham as a brother. I also admire him greatly as a uh, as a creationist thought leader and as a business person. Okay, we love his attractions, right? We we go to the Creation Museum, we go to the Ark Encounter. My kids have tons of fun there. We love it. It's one of our um, favorite little trips to make. Okay, so we're I have nothing but good things to say in that regard. Okay, but when stuff happens like this, okay, when not only the Ministry of Answers in Genesis endorses a tirade against. I'm just going to say against mostly creationists whose work the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter depends upon, okay? Like when that kind of tirade happens and names are called and it's done in a context that is very, very unfair, and here I'm literally going through an article of someone who was defending Ken Ham, uh, I'm going to call that out, and we're going to deal with that um, because I don't think being winsome should be limited to me or you. I think uh, I think winsome should apply to Ken Ham. I think winsome should apply to every one of you um, reading uh, and commenting in the comments on YouTube. And uh, 
I don't know. I, I just think that we should all be sort of held to that standard. And so I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm like attacking Ken Ham. Um, that's not the point. There have been lots of other uh, voices in the creationist world who have been less than winsome. It's just if Ken Ham is going to not only his ministry endorse, but then he is going to put in this series his own article and punctuate the statement that, yeah, we're doubling down on this language of young earth evolutionists against these particular people who, oh, by the way, just so happen to be responsible for a lot of the research that's making them money and their attractions. Yeah, I'm going to say something about that. Um, and I'm going to very specifically make those claims because, again, I don't have a problem with him otherwise. I mean, I think he's a great guy. Um, I don't know him personally, of course, but my perception of him is that he loves the Lord and he's doing great work, and I admire that. Um, but, you know, let's be Christians to each other about this stuff, okay? And let's give each other the benefit of the doubt. So... Moving on, okay. Um, it, like like Todd said, um, issues such as you know a, a biblically derived sense of the age of the earth, the relationship of animal death, all of these things bear into the question and the creationist mindset that we're talking about right now. Again, whether it's Todd Wood or Ken Ham, and so um, he points out that we're just going to look at the reality of what Ken Ham believes about the different senses of evolution. Okay, so we repeated those five before. Now let's look at those same five. Um, in context to what Ken Ham would believe about them, and I'm just going to read verbatim from Todd's article. He says, Evolution as macroevolutionary fluctuations in populations. I might be wrong, but I can't think of any examples from the last 20 years in which uh, he, in other words, Ken, has rejected this sense of evolution. We could dig up plenty of examples where he objects to calling this evolution or where he goes on to say that this doesn't support molecules to man evolution, but the reality of fluctuating finch beaks doesn't seem to bother him. Number two, evolution as speciation or species relationship. This is a bit more murky. I've always perceived him as being very careful in his language. Species comes from created kinds. I confess I don't fully grasp his point here, but I don't think he means that created organisms were a different sort of category than modern species. Species don't just change into other species. Whatever he means, he's always insistent that these changes only take place within the confines of those original created kinds there is no change from one kind of another. One kind to another, I think he might have meant to say. Okay, uh, Number three, evolution as a gradual development of life on this planet. Obviously, he rejects this. Life was created suddenly. It did not gradually develop. Number four, evolutionary as universal common ancestry. Again, he totally rejects this claim. And then five, evolution as specific instances. It sort of depends on the example, but mostly these are rejected. Dino to bird, land animal to whale, ape to human are all rejected. So for these five senses of evolution, Ken Ham is okay, just okay, with one of them, as long as you don't call it evolution, and is arguably a bit unclear on uh, number two, the, num the second sense that evolution can be used in, and then totally rejects the other, the other ones, three to five. So um, as, Ken Ham, or as uh, Todd says in his words, Ken Ham's hyper-evolution is nothing shocking at all and really isn't newsworthy, except for one little bit. He doesn't like calling it evolution. And he makes the, the point, too, that he doesn't really like calling it evolution either uh, for the simple reason um, that the uh, popular imagination identifies evolution with sense three, the idea of uh, the gradual development of all life on this planet. Um, and he makes the point that as a scientist and scholar, he can understand like actually using evolution to describe senses one to, to two. Uh, but as an educator, he understands also that doing so um, leads them to evolution, at least somebody to think evolution. And so, um, you know, he, he did say, and this is an important point because I've, I've talked with some about this and, um, yeah, he probably needs to be a little bit clearer about this, but his sentiment here, I think is helpful. He says, I want to make sure that I'm fully understood by my audience. 
I need to, ma- to find a way to communicate that to the audience. I do not advocate universal common ancestry or interpreting the fossil record as a gradual development of living things, and that's a critical distinction. And uh, then finally he addresses the idea that, well, somebody might say that speciation just is evolution. You know, you, you know it and you're dishonest uh, because you won't admit it. And I've heard this attitude a lot in the um, anti-creationist community. Ah, you know, it's, it's, you know, all you biologists, creationists out there who say that speciation, you know, doesn't lead to this longer, you know, macro evolution and, or whatever you would call it, you know, the development, gradual development of life from an early common ancestor. Uh, you know that you're just lying, you know, you're dishonest and, and you're wrong. Um, you know, he, he makes the point, uh, Todd does, to say, no, I think that's totally wrong. <laughs> um, he says, what I advocate differs in very important ways from those other senses of evolution. And hence, I think it's worthy of either a new name or at least not confusing people with the same name. He's very clear that he does not accept universal common ancestry and he does not uh, believe that the fossil record preserves a record of the gradual development of life on this planet. So um, who did I record this episode for? Well, Number one, for anyone who's just interested in the recent sort of controversy around hyperevolution that's uh, been going on. Also, I wanted you to kind of see that um, a, a lot of these thoughts, again, if you just read what people have written, a lot of these thoughts have been published already, right? Their thinking is out there uh, in public for you to find. Um, I also kind of wanted to get Todd's intentions across, um, you know, uh, despite the fact that maybe he can sometimes come across as a little abrasive, for which he has also publicly apologized and wants to do better. Um I think it's very commendable um, that uh, how he defended Ken Ham in this, and I think it's very sad that that, um, uh, yeah, was not extended uh, the other way in recent days um, for presumably marketing purposes, you know, kind of sad. Um, I think uh, let's be a Christian, let's do our best to be winsome, and um, let's use words and definitions, not loosely, but with precision and, and be careful um, when we're interacting with each other. That is uh, going to be a critical distinction to making sure that we're doing this right and that we're glorifying God through the work that we do as creationists. I hope you found this episode helpful. Uh, next up, in a couple weeks, we're going to have uh, probably another interview podcast. I've got a couple that are kind of uh, in the fire right now and I'm really excited about uh, sharing with you. So those are coming up soon. Can't wait to uh, share more with you then. You guys take care. God bless. We'll see you next time here on The Winsome Creationist.